You may be seated. That is uh, one of my one of my favorite songs, especially as we prepare for Easter next week. So that's a great song. But today we are continuing our series, the spoken word. And if you look on the front of your bulletin, you'll see that it's got one great big word on there, which is the word hero. And uh, we have that on there because I, I I believe that God has called His people. He's called the church. He's called Christians to be heroes. And, uh, you know, sometimes we look at ourselves and say, well, I can see how that person can be a hero, but I really don't see myself being able to be a person of influence, a person who makes a difference. Uh, I love history, and a number of years ago I had the opportunity to, to go to Rome with some people from our church, and when we were there, we were able to go, you know, to the Colosseum. And the Colosseum seats uh, 50,000 people, and there were times whenever they would have gladiator fights there. And, of course, gladiator, gladiator fights were a part of the Roman culture, Roman, uh, just Roman entertainment for over 500 years. And the question I had was, well, how did, the, how did the gladiator fights eventually come to an end? And there's an interesting story about that. There's a man named, his name was Telemachus. He was a Christian monk. He'd never been to Rome before. And so whenever he came into Rome he noticed that these huge throngs of people were filing into the Colosseum. And so he wanted to find out what was going on. So he just got in line with them, walked in. And whenever he got into the Colosseum, he was amazed at, at the sight around him. But when he looked down onto the ground level, he saw that there were men who were fighting to the death. And this Christian monk was, was just absolutely overwhelmed by what was going on. And, and just his, his heart was broken. And he began to yell out, telling the people to stop this. And he was screaming it over and over, but the crowd was so involved in the fighting that they just totally ignored him, so he didn't know what else to do other than to crawl down or walk down all the way to the front row, jump over and get onto the field where the gladiators were fighting. And he ran in between the two gladiators who were fighting, and he held his hands out, and he was screaming at the top of his lungs, Stop! Well, the gladiators didn't know what to do, and so finally one of them just looked, looked over at the crowd, and he grabbed his sword, and he ran Telemachus through, and Telemachus fell down to the ground, and he died. As the people had heard him screaming, finally, they became silent. 50,000 people got quiet, and one by one, they all got up, and they filed out of the Colosseum. The emperor was so impressed and moved by this demonstration of this, of this Christian man that from that point on, they, they just banned gladiator games all across the empire. Now, I love history. When I read that story, I, I just found it to be an interesting story because it's a story of a guy who's just a regular guy, a, 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 nor, you know, a normal person like we are, but he decided to do something brave. He decided to speak, and because he spoke, man, it, it changed. It changed history, changed things. Now, we are living in a time where, where we need heroes. You know, we, we need people who are willing to share with the world that is broken, with the world that is looking for answers, that's looking for hope, that, that we, we need to share with people that there is a God who loves them, there's a God who cares about them, that there's a God who can transform and can change their lives. And I think most of us in here today would agree with that. Like, yes, somebody needs to stand up and speak to people about God. Well, what I want you to see today is those people that are to be speaking to others, sharing the spoken word, man, it's to be us. Now, the question is, can, can God really use people like us? Can He use people sometimes who are overtaken by fear and nervousness 
in order to be effective. Well, today in our scripture, we're going to see a man named Gideon who was just a regular guy like us, whose life was eaten up with, with fear. He's a guy who's nervous. And yet God was able to use this man in order to do great things. And so if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to take it and turn with me to Judges chapter 6. You might say, where in the world is Judges? It's in the Old Testament. Uh, you can go to the front of your Bible, turn a little bit to your right, and you're going to run into it. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers... Deuteronomy and Judges, you know, the, the top six books everybody wants to read, right? Okay, so it's Judges chapter 6. We're going to look at verse number 11. And as you're turning there, Village Church, I believe we have the opportunity. And I would say that we even have the calling to be a people who are going to make a difference. You know, who are going to make a difference in our communities, in our schools, and in our neighborhoods. And the question is, well, how are we going to do this? And so as you're looking in Judges chapter 6, a little history here behind this, uh, the Hebrew people had been disobedient to God for a number of years. You read through the Old Testament, and this is like the same old story. You go through the Old Testament, you know, God blesses the people, they ignore God after a while, and you're just sitting there going, man, these people are crazy. What's going on with them? And so this is what's going on once again in Judges chapter 6. People have ignored God, and God just said, hey, I'm going to turn you over and just allow sin to take its natural course. And we're going to see what happens. Now, in verse number 1 of our text... It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. So after seven years of being terrorized, guess what the people of Israel did again? They said, we need God. And you know, a lot of times that's what happens. We, we face difficult days, we, we have struggles in our lives, and all of a sudden we become aware that we need God again. And so they called out to God, and God heard their cries, and so God said, I'm going to send a deliverer for you. Somebody who's going to give you freedom. And he said, I'm going to use this guy named Gideon to help you. Well, Gideon was a little bit shocked when he found out that God wanted him to be a difference maker. And I think sometimes we can be a little bit shocked when we really think, you know what, that God can use you. When I say you, I'm not talking about the guy next to you. I'm talking about you. That God can use you to make a difference where you are living right now. Now, the good news today is we look at Gideon. We talk about Gideon being a hero. Gideon was a guy who had some unusual traits that God was able to work through in order to make him a hero. Now, what were some of the traits of Gideon, this unlikely hero? Well, the first trait that I want you to notice, when you think of traits of a hero, you think it's got, it's got to be a guy that's in really great shape. The guy's tough. You know, a guy who can, you know, you see him and you automatically go, that guy is scary. You know, that guy looks like he could really handle things. All right, here's the first trait about Gideon that I want you to notice. First trait about Gideon, he's a man of fear. Okay, this is, we're talking about a hero today. What kind of a man was Gideon? He was a man of fear. Now look with me in verse number 11. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Alright, now as, as we look in this text, here's a question for you. And this is you all have to answer this because I want to see if you all are awake. Where was Gideon when he was approached by the angel? Where was he? First service did a lot better than you all. Where, where was he? It says he was in the wine press, okay? 
Now, I'll let y'all know, we don't have a lot of wine presses in Blythewood that I know of. Uh, most wine presses in Israel, they were in caves. Now, what was, what was Gideon doing in the wine press? He was, that's right, he was threshing wheat. He was threshing wheat. Now, that's, again, that's kind of, you know, we say, well, good, good for him. And it's easy as Americans to read through this. Okay, threshing wheat, just to let you know, that's an outside job. Uh, it's something that you did in a great big field. Um, as I read about it, what you do is you get this, like, pitchfork, and you'd get the wheat, and you'd throw it up in the air, and the wind would, would blow, and it would separate the chaff from the wheat. Have you all heard that phrase before? Separate the chaff from the wheat. And so the wheat, because it's heavier, it would fall down. The chaff would be blown away. And so that's how they were able to get the wheat. Well, that's kind of hard to do when you're inside a cave. And so you have to ask the question, what in the world is Gideon doing inside of a cave you know, chunking up wheat in the air, you know, doing his threshing there. Why is he there? You know why he's in the cave? It's because he's scared. He's scared. He's hiding out. He's doing this job in, you know, sort of incognito, hiding out from the enemy because he doesn't want them to see him because he's afraid, hey, if I'm out there, the Midianites are going to come and they're going to kill me. It's just, it's pretty simple stuff. He's a man who's scared. If you look back in verses 3 through 6, it says, Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded their country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and didn't spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. And they came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. So they invaded the land to ravage it, and Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord. Now Gideon was hiding out in this cave because he was, he was very simply, this guy's scared. And I, this is why I like the story about Gideon. God says, I need a hero. I need a man who's going to make a difference. And as he looks down onto the land of Israel, who does he point out, pick out? He picks out the biggest chicken in the entire group. He says, I'm going to use that guy that's hiding out in the cave and he's going to be a difference maker. Now, that can bring some hope to some guys like us. You know, it, it is very easy to live in this time, to live in this world, and be fearful. Yeah, we live in a scary time. Now, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm really not a big naysayer and all that stuff, and we ought to be scared all the time. But if you watch the news... Let me tell you something. You know, the Middle East right now is on fire. It is crazy. Um, I, I believe that. Now, we're looking at stuff that, may, I, I mean, it's, it's easy, and it's easy for a pastor to do this. But, man, I sit there and I look at that and I think, you know what? I, I just become more and more convinced that God could come back. The Middle East is on fire. I, I look at our nation today. I say, yo, our nation, we, we have an outrageous debt. There are so many things that are going on in our, in our world that just we think, man, we live in fearful times. As, as believers, I, I don't think I'm, being, I'm overreacting by saying that, that I, I really think that there's a great bias against believers in our nation today. And so what happens is we become fearful of, of living for God. If I live for God, people don't think I'm strange. If I live for God, it could hurt my career. Guys, let me tell you something. God is calling for people to be a people of courage. And to stand for what we believe in. And I'm not saying be a jerk. 
I'm just saying live out your faith. Tell people that there's a God who loves them. Why? Because it will change. It can change the world. I look at Gideon. He was a man who was fearful. And God gave him a great calling. Now we can be fearful all we want. Just like Gideon was fearful. But I believe just like in Gideon's time, the people, you notice the Hebrew people, it says they begin to cry out to God. I believe people today are crying out to God whether they know God or not. Say, God, we need help. Our economy's in shambles. God, we need help. Our families are in trouble. And so we look for, we look for help in a lot of different places. We think we can find it in maybe illicit relationships only to discover it leaves emotional scars and it destroys us. Some of us think that we can find help if, we, if I just get more stuff, if I have more financial security, only to discover that, that all, all of those things are temporary. Why are we always longing for something more? And here's why. I, because God has set in the hearts of man eternity. God wants us, wants us to have a longing for things that are lasting. In Ecclesiastes 3.11 it says, He also set eternity in the hearts of men. What does that mean? Well, very simply it means that, that we're looking for things that last. In our relationships, we look for, we look for lasting relationships. In, in, in finances, we look for things that are going to provide us with security and stability. In our lives, we're looking, we, we'd like to live forever. Did you know what? Did you, this world only offers that which is temporary. Have you all notice that? This world is a temporary place. And so you will never be satisfied with what the world offers because this place is temporary. As you get older, you begin to recognize that more and more. We don't live forever. Our bodies don't stay in shape forever. We are passing. And so I believe God has set within our hearts a longing for eternity because He's the only one who can fulfill that desire. He's the only one who can satisfy us. So, so how do we discover this Jesus who can do that? You know how we discover it? It's through regular people like me and you. Us telling people how, how God's changed us. Us sharing with people who God is. And not being fearful to share. I, I read a story about an African man who had a black cat cross his path. And he's very superstitious. And the black cat crossed his path. And he started getting nervous. Saying, oh, what does that mean for me? What's going to happen? He started talking to his friend. It means I, I think I'm going to have a bad day. A black cat crossed my path. What do you think about it? And his friend looked at him. He said, well, it depends. He said, what do you mean it depends? He said, well, it's a black cat? Yeah. He said, well, it depends on whether or not you're a rat, if it's going to affect you or not. As we, we need to know what our identity is. You know, we need to know who we are. A lot of times we are fearful because we forget who we are. If you're a believer, you're a child of God. You're a child of the King. You have the disposal of Christ. You have the Christ's power at your disposal. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do, what does it say? I can do all things. Through Him who gives me strength. Now here's the good news that we can take from this story. Gideon was a guy who one of his traits was he was fearful. And yet he was still usable. Village Church, we can be a people of fear. And we can be nervous and wonder what's going to happen to us. But guess what? 
we are still usable with God. So the first trait that I see of this hero, which is sort of a strange trait for a hero to have, is he was a man of fear, but here's another one he had. He was also a man of excuses. Gideon was a man of excuses. Now look with me in verse number, let's see, number 13. It says, But Sir Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Children have a lot of dreams about being heroes. I remember whenever I was a kid, I, I would go out in the uh, driveway and I'd shoot baskets. And, you know, after a while, when you're, when you're a kid, I, I think most of you will understand this, or guys, you, you start coming up with all these scenarios in your head. You know, it's, uh, it's the last five seconds of the game for the national championship. And you start dribbling the ball around you. Five, four. And then you shoot the ball. And, and if you don't make it, you know, the clock, it's amazing how you can extend the clock. You know, four, three, two and a half. You run over there and you're grabbing the ball and then finally you make the basket. When you make the basket, you, know, you win and you're, as kids, you know, guys, you know, you're walking around the driveway going, ah, it's like that big crowd sound. And so you're so excited and if anybody sees you, they think you're weird, but you know, you don't care because you just won the national championship. Now, as, as kids, we have all these different dreams about being heroes, but as we get older, a lot of times those dreams about being heroes, they subside because when opportunities arise to be a hero, a lot of times... Man, it takes, it takes guts to step up to the plate and make a difference. And so we begin to make excuses about, about why we can't be involved, about why we can't make a difference. God called Gideon to be a hero. What, what did God call Gideon to do in our text? Do you all remember? As in the, you know, in the last 20 minutes that you've read that text or looked at it, do you all remember what God called Gideon to do? He wanted him to lead his people into battle to fight the Midianites. It's his chance to be a hero. Now, that sounds fun. When you're a kid, you're thinking, I'll do that. You get older, what kind of thoughts you start having? You start thinking, I might die. And if I lead in battle, um, you know, you know, they use, I mean, especially back then, y'all, it's not like they had, you know, that it was like a, a big bomb going off. I mean, it's like hand-to-hand combat. And it start, it's easy, to, when you're a kid, it's easy to think, I can do that. When you get older, you start thinking, I'm not fast. I'm kind of slow. This is a young man's game. Somebody else needs to do this. And so Gideon begins to come up with excuses. And it's very interesting that the angel of the Lord, when he saw Gideon, verse number 12, he calls him a mighty warrior. Where, where, again, where's the mighty warrior when he's talking to him? You remember? He's in a cave. Which is just so ironic. You are a mighty warrior, Gideon. And here's Gideon hiding out in a cave. And then Gideon begins to say, Lord, if you're really with us, why in the world, why in the world are we being oppressed by the Gideonites? And all these excuses start coming. God, you've abandoned us. God, you've forgotten about us. God, I don't know where you are. Now, here's my take on this. I believe we begin to make excuses because the older we get, we become more and more, we become survivalists. We will try to survive. We become very cautious. And we begin to make excuses. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting excuses we have out there. I, I was reading a, about an insurance company, about some claims that they have when people get into car accidents. And you know, very rarely will somebody just say, I was stupid and I, I ran a red light and hit a guy. It's my fault. Um, here's some of the because we don't like to get in trouble. So here's some of the excuses that were written to an insurance company. The invisible car. 
came out of nowhere and struck my car and vanished. You know, these are true. It's funny. Uh, the other car collided with, with mine without warning me of its intention. Um, as I reached an intersection, a hedge sprang up and it obscured my vision. Uh, this is my favorite one. It says, I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. <clears throat> that was pretty good. Uh, the pedestrian had no idea which direction to go, so I had to run him over. Um, the guy was all over the road, and I had to swerve a number of times before I could hit him. And then this was kind of funny. It was the indirect cause of this accident was a little guy in a small car with a great big mouth. Uh, I understand that one. Uh, we make excuses. Gideon came up with his excuses. He began to say, "God, God's no longer with us." That, you know, God, if you're with us, why is all this happening? You know, why are they facing these problems in our text? What was the problem? It wasn't that God had abandoned them. It was the people started ignoring God. If you go back to verse number 1 again, it says, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then Gideon began to say, Lord, you're, you're not here with us anymore. Which is ironic, because who started talking to Gideon in the first place? It was the angel of the Lord. And then in verse 14, it is God who is talking to Gideon. If God had abandoned the people, why is he talking to Gideon? He hadn't abandoned the people. He's right there talking to him. Now, guys, it's easy for us sometimes to think God's abandoned us. God's with us. God is with us. God has a calling for our lives. And it is time for us not to make excuses. It is time for us to act and say, God, we're going to trust you. Verse 15, Gideon comes up with more excuses. Lord, I'm not prepared for this. I'm not adequate. I'm from the smallest tribe in Israel, Manasseh. I am the youngest person in my family. I'm the least person in my family. You can't use me, God. And yet God begins, God begins to talk to Gideon and say, Gideon, remove the fear, remove the excuses, and I will use you. Village Church. Same thing's true for us. Move beyond the fear. We move beyond the excuses. And we begin to trust. And you know what? God can transform our lives, the lives of our neighbors, the life of this community. I look at Gideon. He's a guy like so many, he's a guy like so many of us. He's a man who made excuses, a man who's fearful. But let me share with you why he could be a hero. If you look in verse 16, it's very simple. It was because God was with him. That's why he could be a hero. Look in verse 16, our last verse today. It says, The Lord answered, I will be with you and will strike down all the Midianites together. I will be with you. You know why Gideon was able to be heroic? It wasn't because he was a great strategist. It wasn't because he was a great soldier. It wasn't because he was a man of supreme confidence or charismatic. It's because God said, I'll be with you. Bill Church, you, you know why this church, and I'm being very serious, you know why this church could make a great impact in the Northeast and beyond? You know why? It's not because we're, we're the most talented people, which you are. It's not because we have more gifts than anybody else. Let me tell you why. Very simple. It is because God is with us. See, when we become followers of Jesus, 
we entrust our lives to Christ. Let me share with you what happens. In Colossians 1.27, it says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, what does that mean for us? When we follow Christ, it means we have the power of Christ in us. Because Jesus dwells within us. He enables us to live with power and with confidence. When Christ is in you, the God who conquered death is in you. Romans 8.31 says, If God be for us, then who can be against us? So if Jesus is in us, you know what that means? It means we have nothing to fear. It means that we we can live with hope and confidence because Jesus is with us. As my, my children get older, I, I like to share with them, you know, my favorite movies. And there's just a lot of classic movies that, you know, that I, I say, you know, I tell my, my oldest son, Hank, I tell Hank, you know, Glenn and Janie are still a little young for some of the, they're not bad movies, so I don't want you all to start getting nervous or anything, but, you know, some movies I, I really enjoy, it's like, I, I need to wait for them as they get older. And um, um, so my, my uh, son, Hank, he was, I was telling him, I said, man, you've got to see Scarface. I'm kidding. I said, Hank, you've got to see, uh, you've got to see one of my favorite movies. It's, it's Braveheart. Love that movie. It was, it was coming on. It was on TBS. And so I said, Let, let's watch the movie. Now, as we watched it, I've seen it like, you know, 7,000 times. And every guy I know likes that movie. You know, we all, almost every guy likes that movie because he says like a man movie. We think, I'd like to be, you know, that, that one scene. You know, I, I don't cry in movies because I typically watch comedies. But the one scene, you know, when he's crying out freedom. Y'all remember that part, guys? Yeah, we won't go into what's going on. But, I mean, I've watched it and I think, man, that is awesome. Because I would not be yelling that. I mean, I'd have been, you know, screaming, let me go. But, I mean, I watched that and I was like, man, that is such an awesome. So we're sitting there watching the movie. And, 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 my, and I, I wasn't worried that my son was going to be disappointed about it. I knew he was going to love that movie. You know why? Because I'd seen it. I'd already seen the movie. I knew it was a great movie. I knew it was a great story. Now, in a similar sense, the same thing is true concerning our relationship with God and following His leadership. I, I, I don't have to be worried about following God's leadership, and neither do you. Why? Because God's faithful. We, we don't have to be worried. Why? Because, because we read in Scripture what God has already done, and many of us have already experienced the faithfulness of God in our lives. And so we can be reassured that following after Jesus and being obedient to His leadership, that we don't have to be fearful because we know that He is a God of truth and that He says that He will be with His people. As Gideon trusted this, you read on, you know what happened? Gideon, Gideon didn't have any reason to be fearful because he saw victory. He's faithful and he, he began, to, began to do what God told him to do and they had victory over the Midianites. Now, as following after God, is that, can that be scary? You better believe it can be scary. Is trusting Him, does that, does that make us a little apprehensive? You bet. But you know, when it comes down to it, when God calls us to do something, we can be confident in following Him and trusting Him. Now, now why is that? Jeremiah 29, 11. That's what God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God will not call our church, He will not call you to do something that He will not empower you or enable you to do. 
being, being, being heroic, being a hero, does not have to be the dreams of children. Being heroic is something you and I and Village Church that we can do. Now, I want you to know that in the days ahead, I believe God is calling us to be heroic. How so? I'll just share a couple, a couple of simple ones with you. I mean, there's more. There's a couple. I believe God's calling us to be heroic when it comes to the ministry of our children and our youth groups. God has blessed our church tremendously. Y'all, if you go back, my wife told me, she said, you need to go back in the nursery and look at all the babies back there. And, and for those of you who have babies back there and you say, man, it looks like a ton of kids back there and that makes me nervous. Hey, I understand. Let me tell you something. We are in the process of doing something about it. That's why we're in the process of, of hiring an architect so that, we can, so that we can build another building for our children and build another addition for our youth. Because we, we believe God's, God's blessed us. God's calling us to be heroic in reaching children and young people in our community. And we are have to step up the plate and do it. God's calling us to be heroic in Haiti. You know, God, God put it on our, our heart, our church's heart, to minister to the people in Haiti. We, we adopted a children's home last year. This year we pledged about $25,000 to go to the orphanage and, and also to go down there and give our support and help build and do vacation Bible school in the next couple of months down in Haiti. We believe God's calling us to be heroic there. And I believe God is calling us to be heroic and in inviting our friends and our family to the church where they can hear the message of Jesus who died for them, that they might experience forgiveness, that they might experience hope and meaning and purpose in this life and eternal life. But to see those things become a reality, we have to take to heart that God is with us and then become a people, not a talk, but a people of action. Now we like Gideon, in some senses, we're a group of unlikely heroes. Some of us are just eat up with fear we make excuses, but here's the good news. God's with us. And if God is with us, then who can be against us? If God is with us, guys, this community doesn't stand a chance to be touched by God. They'll be touched by God as we are obedient to Him. Let's bow for a word of prayer. As we do that, in just a few moments, what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate the greatest, really the greatest hero of all, Jesus Christ. We're going to do that by, by celebrating the Lord's Supper. As we celebrate the Lord's Supper, I just want to remind you, this is a time that is designated for, for believers, for those of us who are followers of Jesus. And what we see in the life of Jesus as we take the Lord's Supper is we, we see God who came here in flesh. And He came here as a sacrifice. And we're going to take bread and we're going to take juice. And the, the, the symbolism of the bread and the juice, it, the, the bread represents the body of Jesus. The juice represents the blood of Jesus. And the first element that will be passed out is going to be the bread. Whenever Jesus passed around the bread to his disciples, they were celebrating the Passover. And he gave new meaning to the Passover. 
the meaning he gave to the Passover is he was telling his followers that that he was the one now who was coming as a sacrifice for the people. You know, they would have the bread and the wine. They would eat the lamb. Animals were sacrificed for the forgiveness of sin. But Jesus said, I'm coming now as a once and for all sacrifice because I'm, I'm God. I'm perfect. And he laid down his life for us. And he said, the Bible says he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to take this bread and eat it. And he said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. You see, just a very short time later, Jesus would be hanging on a cross. As those disciples took the bread, he wanted them to remember as he was hanging on the cross that his body was given for them. See, Jesus stood in this world to be a bridge between God and man. And that cross was the bridge. And Jesus heroically allowed himself to go to the cross that we might find life through him. Heavenly Father, I pray that as the bread is passed, and Lord, as we take take the bread from that tray in just a few moments. Lord, as soon as we take it, we will put it into our mouths with the spirit of thanksgiving, remembering that in your grace and in your mercy and in your power, you gave yourself for us. Jesus, thank you. Thank you from a group of undeserving people from a group of people and that while we were yet sinners you died for us thank you Jesus